when it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices. Things can get complicated fast. With Vanta, you can automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform can help you unify security program management with a built-in risk register and reporting and streamline security reviews with AI-powered security questionnaires. Over 7,000 fast-growing companies like Atlassian, Flow Health, and Quora use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. You can watch Vanta's on-demand video at vanta.com slash decoder to learn more. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash decoder. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Hello and welcome to Decoder. I'm Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge, and Decoder is my show about big ideas and other problems. We have a special episode for you today, and I'll be honest, it's mostly problems. The Code Conference wrapped up this week, and the finale was the first ever interview with ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino. The interview was conducted by Julia Borston from CNBC, who was my co-host at Code. And to say the sit-down with Elon Musk's number two was confrontational would be an understatement. Yaccarino appeared both unprepared to answer tough questions and was pretty combative, especially when she was asked about comments from Twitter's former trust and safety head, Yoel Roth, who's become an outspoken critic of the direction of the company since Elon took over. Roth had just been on stage an hour earlier at Code with Kara Swisher, and he had warned Yaccarino of the risks of the job she was in and spoke at length about the extreme harassment he's faced since leaving the company. Yaccarino also gave us some updated stats on X user metrics and claimed the company would turn a profit in 2024. There were also some very tense exchanges about whether Elon really plans to start charging a subscription fee to use the platform, if he seriously plans to sue the Anti-Defamation League, and the company's recent cuts to its election integrity team. It's a jaw-dropping interview, and you really have to listen to the whole thing. Okay, here's Linda Yaccarino, CEO of X at the Code Conference. Here we go. Linda, thank you for being here. Before we dive in, I have so much to cover. I probably have hours worth of questions, but I want to make sure to get uh, to give you an opportunity to respond to Yoel Roth and his comments about an hour ago. Um, Chuckles, just, <laughs> chuckling. Just for full um, for full context, um, you joined Twitter in June. Um, and Yoel did leave long before you got there. He was at Twitter for about five weeks after Elon Musk um, took over the platform. Um, so you did not overlap. Uh, but he's describing, you know, terrible things that happened to him and also his experience at a company that months later you have come to run. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him. I'd be happy to respond. Um, 
I think I've been given about 45 minutes. Yes, and also full disclosure, so. um, as many of you saw, he was a very late addition to the schedule. Um, a surprise both to me and Linda um, that he was he was added here. So not something that either of us were fully prepared for. I think many people in this room were not fully prepared for me to still come out on the stage. But here we are. Um, so thank you for asking the question. And Julia's right, we have known each other for a very long time and have had a very long, deep, strong relationship. So when situations like this happen unexpectedly, maybe they were unexpected, um, we stay strong together. So we're gonna move on. But I do wanna address um, Yoel and I don't know each other. He doesn't know me, I don't know him. I work at X, he worked at Twitter. X is a new company building a foundation based on free expression and freedom of speech. Twitter, at the time, was operating on a different sets of rules, as said by himself, uh, different uh, philosophies and ideologies that were creeping down the road of censorship. It's a new day at X, and I'll leave it at that. Um, when asked what his uh, advice to you was, Kara asked him what his advice to you was, and he made a comment about um, the death threats or the, the, phys the threats to his physical self that both you and he have experienced and him wanting to make sure that you were taking any protections or precautions on the platform, seriously. The uh, team at Twitter is fantastic. If you're talking about my own personal well-being and safety, uh, I feel great. Um, I'm well protected. What I, he made a comment about the FT interview, uh, I guess as he was preparing to come on the stage, uh, that the public scrutiny weighs heavy on me, uh, my kids, my family, my parents. Uh, I think that's just a human emotion when you get thrust into such a public spotlight uh, in conjunction with the nature of the platform itself. When you're automatically a recognizable public person 24 seven globally. And with the ability for, uh, or the inability for anyone to control other humans' actions, comments, recognizable. And I'm an identical twin, think how she feels. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made the security team a, a dollar bet because I only ever bet a dollar, by the way, because the reason I only bet a dollar ever is because it's really only about winning, right? <laughs> so I, I told them I had a security concern and I bet that they had never been confronted with it. And they're like, there's no way, we've seen it all. I said, what are you gonna do for my identical twin? <laughs> so um, I, I won the dollar. Uh, uh, but to get back to the serious, uh, serious situation, I appreciate Yoel's comments, and I, you know, again, we don't know each other. I assume they were authentic, uh, but that is something that all public people and, and a lot of times CEOs have to confront uh, because of the public nature of their position, uh, uh, compromise insecurity. So uh, again, 
some people, some other people, uh, CEO friends of mine, peers, have reached out to me. I said, reach out to me if there's anything I could do to help you on the platform. But uh, according to Yoel's words himself, they were platform-wide. He wasn't specifically saying it was just coming from X. So I want to be clear about that. Um, we did Google and did see that there, there were threats to him that were still up there. That was really the, the one surprising mm-hmm. thing to me. And it does seem like that is in violation of the, the policies of, of X Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, be, if he would reach out to me directly, I'd be happy to. If, in fact, those comments are true, I'd be happy to help him out as I would uh, be happy to help anyone in this room or anyone who's listening. But I also want to take a moment. And again, I hope we can get to a pivot yeah, I and talk about the to business. talk about all the momentum yeah. that's going on at X. Um, but I want to, uh, it's very hard for me to refute or sift through the combination of opinions of Yoel's experience and the positioned as fact uh, that were presented. Uh, because again, let's, let's rewind. Um, Yoel was there for five weeks post-acquisition. One of the things he talked about, which was so surprising, is that 75% decline in content posted to X. That, in fact, uh, is not true and is inaccurate. And there are many days, weeks, months, where there's actually more content posted to X. And that is in spite of our aggressive efforts to fight spam and bots. So think about that. Net of our aggressive efforts that uniquely started happening at X that other platforms have followed suit, okay. content posting up. So that's one thing. But, but Linda, because I, I want to shift gears from Yoel's interview to a conversation about the business. Yoel had 25 minutes to talk about you X. You have a lot longer if, if, you, if you want. You have all the time that you have for us. I want to talk to you about the business and, that, and the issues of engagement because I see a lot of data as a reporter at CNBC and Aptopia, which tracks app usage, says the actual time spent on Twitter did get a post-Elon bump after that acquisition, but has tracked down all year since then. A new report out from Aptopia just this month says app downloads have sunk to new lows. It's in 96th place. And when it comes to usage, X is now 25th in active users behind Telegram and even Samsung Clock. So how can we reconcile what Musk has said about engagement, the numbers you decided with all of these different data points here. Well, uh, you know, with over 540 million global users, the I, I'd love to sift through, um, you know, the data points that that you picked out. Uh, uh, and they're for, really just tracks tracks of app downloads yeah. and engagement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when you look at the length of time spent, the engagement on X right now, the key metrics are trending very, very positively. So if we want to talk about all the initiatives that have been put in place, like was covered in the previous interview about all the uh, brand safety and content moderation tools that exist now, within my first 100 days at the company that didn't exist for the eight years prior, uh, uh, formerly known as Twitter, I think those are the type of things we could be fo- we should be focusing on in terms of progress that has been made. Because in a just short 100 days-ish, 
that I've been at the company. What had to happen was, was for me to, you know, kind of get in, look under the hood. And when I realized and I looked at, because there's still a lot of learning, I mean, come on, it's, it's 100 days. There's a lot of learning that's still going to go on. But the velocity of change, the scope of the ambition at X really does not exist anywhere else. Forget the other platforms. At any other company likely on earth, there is no analog for the book that is being written right now. So if you look at infrastructure changes, over 100 products shipped since acquisition, brand safety and content moderation tools that didn't exist, advertiser products that did not exist that are now wrapped up in brand safety, third-party verification partners that did not exist. The company that was described about an hour ago no longer exists, and I would argue pretty aggressively, no matter if you want to, I, I, I don't know the, the, the stat, did you say Telegram? You're Does anyone say Telegram? No, you're or, behind Telegram. No, no, I know. Yeah. I, 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 have to, I have to scrub your numbers. Um, but that being said, that when you put in context what has happened in the last 10 months and specifically the last 12 weeks of listening to our employees, listening to our customers, those advertising customers that you reference, uh, that I was given such great advice that I could prove from a data-driven standpoint, and they'll come back. The great news is another fact that was um, inaccurate. Uh, uh, in June, actually, I did an interview with one of your colleagues at CNBC, Sarah Eisen. And, I think in uh, August. Uh, was that August? It was 100 days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I started in June. Yeah. It's all a blur. Yeah. Because, again, the pace of innovation is unlike anything you could ever imagine. Uh, think about it. It's exhilarating to the point of intoxicating. That's why when you get inspired and pushed by Elon Musk to do the things that you would never normally think were possible, you land on a day like today. You show up, you tell them the mountain high of accomplishments that were made in just 12 weeks. And you don't look back and compare yourself to a legacy company that doesn't exist anymore. But so Linda, I want to get some of these stats. So you mentioned your interview. It's been a day, so I brought my (laughs) card. You're welcome to, I have my card. I was supposed to put an X on it, but I was watching the interview. Um, And I didn't have time. Okay, so one question I have is, what are the daily active users that you have? Because that is the metric that Twitter was using before Elon Musk came over. And you mentioned the Sarah Eisen interview. What are your daily active users? And then also, you told Sarah you were nearing profitability. How yeah. close are you? Yeah, well, that's so exciting. I'll get, I'll get back to your first question. But what's so exciting is that um, from an operating cash flow perspective, we're just about break-even. So the... Um, other emotion that was painted in the previous talk. We feel pretty good about where we are. And when I did the other talk that you said was in August, it it was too soon. I think it was about five or six weeks in. I couldn't have eyes on uh, even the rest of third quarter, let alone fourth quarter. So um, now that I have immersed myself in the business and we uh, have a good set of eyes on what is 
predictable and what's coming is that it looks like in early 24 For we'll be turning a profit. So that's exciting. I want to get back to another stat about um, 75% or I think he said 60% of advertisers had left the platform or something. Well, that's something. what Elon Musk said. No, he said 60% of advertising revenue. He didn't say um, uh, advertisers. But again, another point of distinction when you're talking about months and months old information. So 90% of the top 100 advertisers have returned to the platform. In the last 12 weeks alone, about 1,500 have returned. So whether it is uh, 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 small business or big, big brands, right? Like AT&T, Visa, Nissan, all returning. Why are they returning? They are returning because of the power and significance of the platform, the place that X has in this world. So Why? do you have a stat on daily active users? Yeah, I'm going to. Probably okay. it, 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 200, 250, something okay. like that. Well, so the stat you, when Musk took over. Did Joel leave his facts? No, this was st- when Musk took over, there were 237 million monetizable daily active. Yeah. So, so listen to this. One of the reasons that I'm in the chair I'm in today and in the chair I am at X leading the company is because I knew for the last decade, and you knew this, part of my old remit was to oversee not only the advertising revenue for the company, but to look after all of our enterprise relationships, our, I still say our, all of the NBCU enterprise relationships and Twitter was one of them. I specifically used the name Twitter, by the way, purposefully. That's when, for 10 years and how, I fell in love with the platform. Because I knew, first of all, we all knew the trajectory of where broadcast cable uh, television and usage and consumption was going. But this, powered by now X, was the only mechanism that could take the premium content business, live global events, news. When I used to sit in my office and watch you on television, it was the only thing that could put you live, in culture, where it happens, in the moment. So the users of X, our community of ferociously loyal user base, shows up. Everyone who's in marketing in this room, what you want to get to is that you're a habit, it's habitual, that you're checking this, FOMO, morning, noon, and night. And you, can, do you have any Maybe. new engagement numbers you could share with us? Because those stats from Aptopia and others, other um, sources show a decline. What sources were they? It was Aptopia, and I have the whole the list here, some, the, whatever sources I just cited. But well, was, I'd love but to. I, but we can go, I'd love we can go to. I'll give, you, yeah. I'll give you almost like a more personal, specific uh, number which demonstrates part of the growth at X. If you take our communities, 50,000 curated environments and conversations of communities on X, okay? The engagement numbers and time spent is up dramatically just since June. 
Okay, right? So, so, so yeah. hold on. I want to. But wait, Linda, we're, can, run, we're running short on time, so I got to get. We have so much to cover here. So, okay, where do you where do you want to go? Okay, I want to talk about your role running the company. And okay. Elon Thank Musk you. just announced a new monthly fee for users. Yep. And my question for you is: Do you want to start charging all users of X, as he said? And how many users do you think you will lose as a result? Could you repeat? Elon Musk announced you're moving to an entirely subscription-based service. Yeah. Nothing free on, about using X. Do you, Did he say we were moving to it specifically or is thinking about it? He said that's the plan. Yeah. So did he consult you before he announced that? We talk about everything. Did you, your background is in advertising. I would be surprised if you well, wanted to get rid of, we a, would, of a free version. We, why wouldn't we? To, why, to, not, to have why, no free version of X? Okay, so, so do you think Elon brought me to the company to be the head of advertising? Which I appreciate Kara's comments that said I'm such a fantastic advertising executive. Or do you think he brought me to run the company and to deliver to our users the best possible experience? And one of the biggest struggles I had in my previous career um, at the other companies I worked for was I was known as a provocateur. I was called a heretic a couple of times because I constantly tried to push legacy media companies to change to iterate, to innovate. Why did I do that? I did that to keep up with consumer behavior. And X will become the best, most useful platform to what the consumers want. You gotta admit, it's not boring. It's one of the funniest places on earth. And when you think about how users are able to communicate, to now watch video, soon to be able to transact, that is a whole experience where there is no surrogate today. There is no but, surrogate for X. So hang on, so hang on. So I, I, it's continually, you know, I could sit here and, and use the, um, answer your questions about 540 uh, monthly active users 225 daily active users, but I'm not sure you're even asking me the right questions because we're so caught up constantly in the noise or the post of the moment. And what's going on under our nose is a platform in transformation where there is no surrogate. But so then talk to me about this comment that Elon Musk made just a week ago saying he wanted to make it all subscription to fight the army of bots. And when I heard that news, I thought two things. Number one, I would be surprised if you, whose background is in free ad-supported content I on all the broadcast I think my background networks. is being a very senior executive. It's a senior executive, but I would, I would be surprised if you didn't want to have some free version of X. And I'm curious if you, if you agree or if you think it all should be subscription-based. And my question for you was, my, the two things I thought was, I would be curious to know if you, you thought that was a good plan. And second, um, how much he consulted you? Because yes, you were brought in as CEO, that is your title, but... You don't cover product. Right. Pro the, all of the product teams right. report to Elon Musk. And yeah. as a result of that, there's been a lot Does of... Does anyone in this room can think I, can there I finish? would be please, a... Please, wait, Linda, sure. let me finish. finish. Sure. Please, sure, let me sure, finish. Sure, 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 sure. As a result of the fact that the product team does not report to you, the yeah. product team at Meta reports to Mark Zuckerberg, 
because the product team does not report to you, there has been speculation that you are in more of a COO role or a CBO role, a CEO in name only role. You know what's funny is that we talk about that a lot at X. Uh, as you know, it's a very flat organization and the teams are very empowered to perform at their highest levels. So I'm not sure what your definition of or how you want to kind of wiggle me into an answer of, are you really just a COO or a, I don't know. CEO, uh, CEO and name only. Oh, CEO. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not nice. But um, that being said, that being said, uh, I think what Elon and I talk about a lot, number one, always starts with the user experience. And that has to be primary. But I want to go back to your, uh, he runs product uh, he runs technology. He leads a team of exceptionally talented engineers. And who's kidding who? I don't care what the structure is at Meta, but who wouldn't want Elon Musk sitting by their side running product? <laughs> I see a show of hands. I, there may be a few show of hands to get the cute chuckles you're getting, but I would say the percentages in this room are about 99% who would say no to that and 1% of maybe personal opinion or feelings. We have to take a quick break. When we're back, Julia asks Linda about Elon's demon mode. Support for Decoder comes from Mint Mobile. Imagine you're at a very fancy, expensive restaurant. And as you're browsing the menu, wondering how you'll afford anything on it, you notice the filet mignon is a mere $10. At first you think jackpot, but then you immediately think, wait, what's the catch? Now what do suspiciously cheap steaks have to do with your cell phone bill? Well, we're used to seeing quote unquote great deals from overpriced wireless providers and also thinking, what's the catch? But with Mint Mobile, there is no catch. For a limited time, their wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You can get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash decoder. That's mintmobile.com slash decoder. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash decoder. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on an unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for this podcast comes from Hims. It can be challenging for men to speak about their health. And whether that's a fear of being vulnerable or just wanting to keep things private, there are just some things we would just rather keep to ourselves. Hims knows how you feel which is why they're looking to provide you the help you need discreetly. Hims is a men's healthcare brand looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash decoder. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash decoder for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com 
slash decoder. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash decoder for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. We're back and we're getting into what it's like to work for Elon Musk. Notably, last week, Walter Isaacson came out with a book. Did you read, did you read it? I have not read It's very long. I've not <laughs> read all of it. So, no. No, I've not read it. I've Watch read, his interview I've read many on, on C-SPAN. Sorry for the competitive network, but his uh, interview, he was interviewed on C-SPAN. I thought it was excellent. I have read many excerpts. I've, I mean, it's a very long book for those of you who have read it. Um, in this book, in interviews that Musk has done, in his tweets, Musk comes off as, I will say, mercurial. I think that is a fair description of him. And um, Walter Isaacson describes him as having a, quote, demon mode. When was the last time you saw the demon mode? And how is it like to work with someone who has that? I've been there 12 mode? weeks. I am still uh, somewhat in awe of his availability to me. So the moments where you think we don't talk, we talk. Unbelievable availability, uh, it's stunning. Uh, I've never experienced any of that. He's been uh, uh, consistently and completely supportive of me. Now, this also is not my first rodeo. I've had, I've reported to a lot of CEOs. You go through highs and lows because you have differences of opinions and you have a different scope of experiences. But one thing Elon always talks about, or actually the whole team talk about, is the feedback loop that exists. Just think about the nature of the platform. I mean, the, the, the feedback loop is incredible. And also, we always talk about the value of that negative feedback loop. So the opportunity to state an opinion based on your scope of experiences and point of view is always encouraged. If you don't have that push and pull, when does the innovation happen? When do you, when you question what used to exist or you question the challenge that lies ahead, if you don't debate and there's not a friction there, how does the next happen? I mean, if the uh, car industry wasn't questioned, would we have the electronic car in industry? I mean, I could go on and on about the list of accomplishments and I'm not here to go down that road or to represent that. All I'm saying is that the, the idea of, of the inability to have a debate or feedback I haven't experienced, or I'll, I'll say I haven't experienced it yet, because you all go through different um, turns in your relationship. Uh, and, you know, uh, all good, 12 weeks in. I wish that we could have spent more time talking about the scope of accomplishments. Can we, can we talk more? I'd love to talk to you about the media business that you're building. I know that it says we're out of time, but if you're okay to keep going, I would like to keep going. I'll wait till they come give me the hook. Well, they're not um, going to give you the hook, Linda. Um, I, 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 have, I, I have hours more of, of questions here. I know you have places to be, um, but I would like to keep going. And I think specifically when it comes to why you are at X... I know it is to rebuild the relationship with advertisers. And I know I'd be remiss not to ask about the ADL. And we've had the head of the ADL on CNBC multiple times. He reported, first he talked about how much he respected Elon Musk, uh, once Elon took over Twitter. 
And more recently, he talked about how he had a great productive meeting with you. We did. That is, um, in fact, true. Which was true. followed by Elon Musk saying he was threatening to sue the ADL. I wish that would be different. We're looking into that. So do you... I, let, let me... I want to um, be clear about the situation, okay? So shortly after, maybe a day after the transaction and acquisition of the company, the ADL under Jonathan's leadership came out with a letter uh, ecosystem-wide suggesting that advertisers pause Well, was this the coalition the of 60 civil rights groups? Because there was, what I remember covering in November 2022, was 60 civil rights groups, including Color of Change, Media Matters, Free Press, and yes, the EDL. They did launch a campaign called Stop Toxic Twitter, but it was they were releasing data. You, you asked me specifically about the ADL. Yeah. So um, the ADL has been very consistent about suggested pausing of advertisers on uh, then Twitter continues into X. Those were uh, related to Elon's comments about advertisers down, being down so significantly. The productive conversation I had with Jonathan, and I would hope that there will be productive conversations in the future, was about the need for the ADL to acknowledge all the progress that has been made now at X. And uh, therein lies uh, the moment that we're living in today. And, and when Jonathan continues to question the progress as it relates to anti-Semitism, it is disappointing that there is not equal time given to all the progress. As a matter of fact, did you get an alert on your phone about the spaces that Elon is doing tomorrow night? I did not, but admittedly have not been on my phone today. Okay. Well, Elon is co-hosting and lead participating in a Spaces tomorrow night with, I believe it's nine, it could have grown more, uh, very influential Jewish leaders in the world to discuss anti-Semitism, the current state of the impact on culture, and how X can help. So just... So, so I will leave you with that. Um, but Linda, is this in response to the 100 Jewish leaders, including prominent rabbis and academics, releasing you know, this I public letter? I don't letter? believe so. I don't believe so. And, and again, what you're referencing, yeah. uh, I was just made aware of it uh, today. I and think I it came it out today. yesterday. Um, this, it, it, or Monday, I don't, maybe. I, I don't believe so. The... Um, as you know, last week, Elon also met with Prime Minister Netanyahu. So, so that in conjunction with open conversations that we have with a lot of these groups, right? So whether it's the AJC or, or uh, the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism, we have an open, honest partnership relationship. And if there's something that comes up that we were not perfect and we didn't catch they DM me directly. They contact me so I could alert the trust and safety team. And we invite all of our partners to participate for the solution, to, to create a solution to benefit the people who are being harmed when things are negotiated in the press for headlines. So imagine if we were able to take the conversation from a, a reactive one when, when some of the damage has already been done 
and enable us to be proactive as partners to focus on the real solution. And I wish everybody uh, would have that as their priority focus because some of these groups have moved beyond the scope but, of their original mandate into activist organizations. But, but Linda, to me, the way I saw you at NBC Universal is very conciliatory. That was part of your job. And the way I saw you meeting with Jonathan Greenblatt and having these meetings, yeah. very conciliatory. That is your reputation. It is how I've known you. Well, I'm, but, I'm a I, nurturer and, but, a, and a solution provider. So, so let, me, but, let me finish I, the question. Mm-hmm. The fact that days after that meeting with Jonathan Greenblatt, Elon Musk threatens to sue the ADL um, makes me wonder if he's working in opposition to what you're doing. And it makes me wonder if you think that the ADL is defaming Twitter and if it's a good idea for your partner and your company to be threatening that lawsuit. I'll repeat what I said. The conflation of two different issues of what's going on at the ADL, which is the the continuation of, of focusing uh, on an advertiser ecosystem to pause at X without acknowledging progress, is the situation. When you re- reference my style of being very uh, partnership-oriented or, use your word, conciliatory, is because I've built a career on partnerships, knowledge, and hard work, right? That continues at X, okay? I've also spent my entire career being candid and completely transparent. Ask anyone who's ever done business with me, and sometimes that creates tough, candid conversations. But I'm always going to stand up for the truth and that's what you're hearing from me today, and is that this is about the truth. And, but do you think that it is better to have these conversations and these meetings, as you're describing, or to threaten a lawsuit? Is, 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 are there times when you wish that Elon Musk would not tweet and would instead let you do your job? The foundation of X is based on free expression and freedom of speech. Everyone deserves to have that opportunity to speak their opinion, no matter who they are, including Elon, including you, Julia. We can't just decide who doesn't get to post or have their opinion because we don't like it. It's actually what we talk a lot about. Free expression is only successful. Freedom of speech, only successful. If someone you disagree with says something, you disagree with. And on that note, I have got to Can I get two more minutes with you on your trust and safety work that you've been doing? Mm -hmm. Because this is something that you, Al Roth, referenced. I'd like you to get a chance to respond to him. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because he said there was one person on the election integrity team. Well, today there was an article out in the information that reported that all these people had been fired. Um, I think they referenced. The global I team. think they referenced three, and that isn't entirely uh, accurate. Elon, but he also said there was only one person at but the company. So just to reference what Elon Musk tweeted in response to the information mm-hmm. article, I he said that yes, the team that was the global uh, election integrity team. Um, it was a, the the disinformation election fraud. This was the team focused on that. Musk confirmed that they had been fired, and he said that this team had previously undermined election integrity. Over a billion people are going to vote in 2024. It's not just in the U.S. Election integrity is an issue 
all around the world. And it's an issue we take very seriously. And contrary to the comments that were made, there is a robust and growing team at X that is wrapping their arms around election integrity. And it is a spectrum of skill set and discipline from operations to brand safety. And it fights platform manipulation, disinformation, right? It captures everything that we need to protect on our platform. It's not only one person that was referenced. It's not only three people. We are, as a matter of fact today, added two people to the team. So I can't, I can't argue a portion of an article that manipulates information, uh, but I Are will tell you- Are you saying the information you, article about the layoffs is manipulating information? I, no, I said that it was partial information. So one of the other articles today- I don't, I, I, Again, I think it only said uh, three people, so it was partial information. But been, and I really got to go. go. And my last thing is, I know there were a lot of layoffs before you came. I'm sorry? There were a lot of layoffs at the company before you came. Oh my gosh. Dramatic layoffs. This goes back to the uh, uh, velocity of change and the scope of the ambition at X with roughly 25% of the original team. So it does speak to maybe what was going on prior to acquisition because as, as... one of the biggest advocates of then Twitter uh, uh, at my old job, uh, the biggest uh, frustration always was the complacency or lack of change or new product shipment. I remember one time I called one of uh, my contacts there and said, I got approval at NBC Universal for resources because I really want you to build this video product for me. Okay, so it existed back then. But to get back to your question, you you go from 8,000 to a little less than 1,500, or whatever that percentage is, 25% of the staff, you ship 100 product updates, the overhaul of the infrastructure updates, you have brand safety tools, content moderation tools, did not exist. But so are you hiring in this category? Hiring this... In this category, as I said, we just hired two people to the brand safety team today. And I have to say, I just brought in a partial new leadership team that have uh, exquisite uh, resumes who just joined the team from uh, really pristine backgrounds who bring with them not only a the network- Election security or which, no, no, which category? No, broadly for the company. I said leadership team. Um, and so. I, it seems like some of those people are in the sort of content business, which yeah. I, I wish we had more time to talk about. But because well, you'll be hearing some of those announcements in the next week or two. But thank you so much, everyone. I got to go. I really Lindy appreciate Agrino, it. Lindy Agrino, thank you for making the time for us thank today. You. I'd like to thank both Lindy Agrino for agreeing to appear at the Code Conference and Julia Borston for keeping her cool and asking all the right questions. As somebody who interviews people for a living, watching Julia at work here was incredible. I'd also like to thank all of you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, I'd love to hear what you think of Decoder. You can email us at decoder at theverge.com. I read all those emails. You can also hit me up directly on threads. I'm at reckless1280. We also have a TikTok. Check it out. It's at decoderpod. It's a lot of fun. If you like Decoder, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like the show, hit us with that five-star review. 
Decoder is a production of The Verge, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode was produced by Kate Cox and Nick Statt. It was edited by Kelly Wright. The Decoder music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. We'll see you next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.